0: Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs. Today is Tuesday, March 30th, 2021, and today's episode is power to the pod, which means you are in control of what we talk about here on Locked On Dolphins, anything and everything pertaining to to your Miami Dolphins, and sometimes some things that even aren't. Our mailbag show here, and I want to give everybody kudos because today's episode of Power to the Pod set a record. Twitter questions went up. I'm recording this morning, Tuesday morning. Twitter questions went up 16 hours ago. I have 83 questions just on Twitter. Never mind DMs five-star reviews of the show. So, needless to say, everybody's got a little bit of the draft fever. And because of that, we're going to bypass anything else that we may be talking from an admin or odds or ends perspective. And we're just going to roll right in. We're going to deep dive. We're going to jump right into some questions from you, the people. Starting with a couple iTunes questions. First one coming from Brandon Blitz. Great show, Kyle. Definitely learned a lot listening. Well, first and foremost, thanks for listening. Tried attacking premium positions early and then circling back to playmakers. What do you think about this mock? Penny Sewell at 6. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa at 18. Jalen Phillips at 36. Landon Dickerson at 50. We then go on Diami Brown. Amari Rogers, Tyler Wallace, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, available at 81. Okay. Um, I, what position for you would Owusu Kormoa be playing to be qualified as a premium position? Uh, first and foremost, I know some people think he's a linebacker, some people think he's a safety. Uh, for me personally, premium positions, you look at like the annual average salary of positions, and it's like that top tier where quarterbacks – offensive tackles, edge rushers, and corners. Those, to me, are what qualify as quote-unquote premium positions because they're the ones you have to pay the most for the league. You you look at the franchise tag values for those positions, and it's a pretty good indicator if you ranked all the positions on how the league values players. Uh, Jalen Phillips, after his pro day yesterday, I know there's some medical questions. Uh, if he's there at 36, we're doing a rain dance to the, the football guys. And that would be a miracle at this point. Jalen Phillips had an unbelievable pro day. He ran in the 4.5s. He jumped 36 inches. He jumped 10 five in the broad. He had 7.01 in the three-cone drill. He was phenomenal at 261 pounds. You could make the argument that he, from a tools and traits perspective, And then you even account for the tape at this point. And if it weren't for some of the the off-the-field questions with the medicals and his situation leaving UCLA, you can make the case. as is top top eight player in the draft. I actually had him seven on my personal big board for the draft network coming in to his pro day, and I said, ooh, thank goodness. He made me look smart today. Last thing I'll leave you with, Brandon, on yours is – I struggle with the idea of using two top 50 selections on offensive linemen yet again for the second consecutive year. J.C. Scares. Read your Dolphins Wire article on whether or not Miami can afford to move down from eight and still get Waddler. smith Would agree with all and a great scenario if it could play out. Question is, what could they realistically get for six and the right to secure a quarterback? Uh, yeah, you, you would have to, in this scenario that, that JC is referring to, you're talking to either Detroit, Carolina, or potentially even Denver, depending on how many of the the skill players would fall to you at six. If you get QBs that go one through four, hypothetically, and one of them is Jones. So you have Justin Fields or Trey Lance that's still out there and you can recreate a little bit of a quarterback market between Detroit at seven, Carolina at eight, Denver at nine. But Cincinnati takes, say, Jamar Chase. So you've got Pitts, Smith, and Waddle on the board. You can afford to go back two spots. You're probably getting a day-two pick. You're probably getting only a third, if we're being completely honest, uh, because it's such a shallow drop in picks. Uh, I don't think you could you know, put somebody's feet to the fire. Maybe you could get Denver desperate and give up a two. Uh, but remember, these are all early picks in the round, so I don't think anybody's going to be jumping to give another top forty pick away just to jump up two spots or one spot in the order. Question from Tim Tribo: <laughs> Why do you think Greer pulled the trigger so far out from the draft? Would the haul have not been better on draft day when teams felt more pressure in the moment? Um, I think I think there's probably a def couple different angles and perspectives and arguments that you could make. Um, I I think San Francisco paying what they paid to go down nine spots certainly helps. Uh, Peter King, in his weekly column, uh, did a nice job outlining the stereotypical returns for drops of this magnitude in the draft order. And what the Dolphins got, without giving up a top two pick, it's three first-round picks in a trade package plus another top 100 selection is what this will end up being. It's unprecedented. Go read Peter King's Football Morning in America column from Monday, and he goes through a couple of the recent examples of teams dropping 12 spots, 17 spots, and getting nowhere close to what the Dolphins got. So much like deciding to trade Laramie Tunsil, why wouldn't you hold on to him until closer to, uh, it, when his contract expires or anything like that. I think it was Miami knew what their price was going to be. And once they acquired that price, what's the point in stretching it out? Because we also read, courtesy of Albert Breer and his weekly column, uh, Monday Morning Quarterback, that the Dolphins never shopped San Francisco's offer. Uh, they, and maybe that's why this happened. Uh, Because the Dolphins were not actively advertising, we have an offer for these picks. And the other offers that came in were so far away from what San Francisco was willing to pay that maybe if Miami starts leveraging this offer out there and San Francisco kind of catches wind of what everybody else is offering, what if San Francisco drops their offer? So if you've got a Godfather offer in your back pocket, just take the deal. That's how I view it personally, and and I can't speak specifically to whether or not that's how things actually played out, but I think one way that you could find reason in this is if everybody else is calling you and they're offering you fractions of what San Francisco is, just take the deal that's already meeting your price. Let's do a few more iTunes reviews questions. Uh, Little forewarning, uh, we do have a co-host today. I'm riding in the dad's saddle this morning. I typically do these in the evenings, but... uh, Little Miss Maddie, uh, number one Dolphins fan here, decided that one in the morning was a good time to uh, decide she wanted to wake up for a three-hour block and hang out. So that took my recording time. So now here we are recording in the morning. Isn't that right? You want to take the next question? <laughs> the next question. Uh, iTunes re comes from Blood Axe 99. Power to the Pod. Will Fuller wanted a one-year prove-it deal. If he balls out and stays healthy, should Miami try to get ahead of the bidding war and extend him mid-to-late season or let him walk, possibly take a comp pick, pending they don't go on a spending spree next offseason? I am always going to be a proponent of avoiding the free agent market. So if you like what you see from Will Fuller, And you can structure a deal probably not dissimilar to how the Xavier Howard deal was structured, if we're being completely honest, where um, you can selectively place your guarantees and roster bonuses and things like that so that it's not just a one big monster signing bonus that gets prorated out over four years, then I'm... I'm good with signing Will Fuller, provided that he is everything that we anticipated he was going to be, provided he stays healthy, and provided he balls out. Uh, now, if he comes out and he puts up like a Mike Wallace-type year, in uh, one of those years that Mike Wallace was, was with the Dolphins in the 2010s, uh, then yeah, I'm probably going to say we'll go a different direction, and hopefully whoever we draft uh, with this first pick. Uh, comes along quite well as a rookie and kind of takes some of that mantle of responsibility right off the jump. But I would certainly advocate for the Dolphins to, if you like what you got from Will Fuller, jump on the extension ahead of time. A couple of these other questions in here were from last week before the trade happened, so I'm sorry I can't touch them because they're... um, the Dolphins have made them obsolete. But shout out to D Man Thirteen and Mr. Tyler Hughes, Abello. I see you guys here. I see your questions, uh, but unfortunately Miami has traded three, so I can't touch any of your questions at this point in time. Last Twitter question: Mock draft from GoFinsGo. I'm going to re- reward you, sir. Huge fan of the podcast and Bill Parse. Well, I'm sold. You're the you're the greatest dude alive. When you want to go get together and have some drinks. Huge fan of the trades that went down last week. Chris Greer is a mastermind. Right after it happened, I went on the mock draft simulator at TDN and cooked up a mock. I hope you like. Pick number six, Jalen Waddell. Yes, done. This is a great mock already. 18, Najee Harris. I would have loved an edge here, but with Payne Phillips on the board, if you said what you said is true about Williams being a first-rounder, then we need to be taking it back at 18 to ensure we get one of the big three. I think the... You know, there, there was some concern with Javante Williams when he came out and ran, uh, four five eight at his pro day, but that's that's the speed you see on tape. You know, and and Clyde edwards hilaire managed to go in the first round, late in the first round, and he ran I think four six two at the combine. So, I saw that talking point on Javante Williams, and all oh, this hurts his stock. No, it's exactly what you saw on tape. It should not change your perception of Javante Williams at all. And I would anticipate the teams that are picking in the range in which teams are looking at Javante Williams. Uh, nothing's going to change. So, yes, I do think there is a little bit of pressure. Now, with that said, Miami could theoretically, could, they could start with an edge and then trade up for a running back. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe if all three backs are on the board and you got Jalen Phillips and Pay or one of those guys comes off and Aziz Ojalari's off the board, then, yeah, maybe it would behoove you to kind of break your tendency a little bit and go out and, and draft an edge and then trade up for running back. I don't know. I don't know if that's something they would be entertain, willing to entertain or not, surrendering future picks. We just saw them technically surrender a future pick with the trade up to six. Landon Dickerson at 36. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's great value. Uh, of course, I do think with medicals, that's something that the Dolphins will need to weigh out. And perhaps they can get them a little later because they got a pick in 14 picks. Uh, and then you take Amari Rogers at 50. And that's how I know you're a man after my heart. Brother Waddle Harris Dickerson and, and Rogers with the top four picks. And then you come back with Houston Edge Peyton Turner, who is a great fit uh, for the Dolphins stylistically. I think you got him in the right range at 81. Uh, double dipped on uh, edge rushers with Rashad Weaver from Pitt. Uh, he is a guy who has a lot of talent, but injuries have been problematic for him. Uh, so that's the big question with Rashad Weaver is. Can he stay healthy? What is his ceiling? Because his athletic profile has been sapped a little bit, thanks to a bunch of injuries at Pittsburgh. And then you took Paris Ford with your last pick. And that's really only the only one I'm going to gripe about because Paris Ford, uh, he came out and he had a very bad pro day. I watched him on tape and, and saw a player who I thought was going to have to make a living on special teams to be completely honest with you. And, uh, Bobby McCain at free safety. I don't think Paris has those kinds of ball skills. I don't think he has that kind of range. He ran in the 49s on his 40, so uh, all of those things add and I would put Paris Ford as somebody that for the Dolphins I wouldn't be particularly interested in touching. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to get in on all your favorite sports betting action. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, reality television, and TV shows with real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up, so head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. Transitioning now to the Twitter sphere. As I said, 80-something questions. Uh, We're going to do our best to cover as much ground as we possibly can. First question comes from Brandon. Do we pass on a linebacker in this draft, or do we pass on a secondary player in this draft? My top five picks are Waddle, Harris, Rousseau, Creed Humphrey, Brevin Jordan, or another receiver. Your thoughts. Uh, I think the Brevin Jordan one's interesting. He's a little different type of tight end than what we're talking about with Kyle Pitts, and what they have on the roster with some of their traditional in-line guys or their hand-in-the-dirt Y guys. But as far as linebacker versus secondary, I think the Dolphins... I don't think they pass on either, to be honest with you. I think they have enough picks. I don't know that one of them is going to come in the top 100 unless they make a splash. Uh, But I, I, I guess I would lean to secondary because the secondary is being more close to being a completed puzzle. Uh, Linebacker, I still think you have to, whether it's a rush linebacker or a coverage linebacker. I feel more safe that that box is going to get checked in the draft and get checked early uh, than what is going on in the secondary. Shane, Devontae Smith is my personal choice for the team. Just came off watching all the big three wide receivers and pits. What are your thoughts Smith, Javante Williams, Barron Brown, and Creed Humphrey. Okay, a little different combination, and you traded back from 18 to 27. Survey says, what did you haul? You got 104, an extra third-round pick, and you drafted Patrick Jones' edge from Pittsburgh. That's the right model of an edge rusher and Patrick Jones. um, Probably the right evaluation of him. So you traded with Baltimore, who came up for Aziz Oshilari. Yeah. Yeah, I think you did a nice job, Shane. Uh, would it be what mine looked like? No, but that's the beauty of the whole thing is we can all see it differently. And uh, what then, if we all take enough pursuits and angles and hypotheticals, when the Dolphins actually move something, then we could piece it all together and understand it. Marcos, non-football question. Okay, still sports-related, non-football. What are your fandoms on NBA, MLB, NHL, and college football? Oh, man. All right, so I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. Uh, I used to grow up as a kid outside of Augusta, Georgia. Uh, so it was right in the early 90s, right when the Braves were kind of kickstarting that 13 consecutive seasons with division championships and the World Series in 95. So for that reason, the uh, Atlanta Braves had my heart in baseball. In basketball, I'm currently a free agent. I got into basketball late and got into basketball late living in the Philadelphia area. So I was for two years a Philadelphia 76ers season ticket holder, along with a couple of friends. And I don't know, like it's you you try and get on board with something, but it doesn't you don't vibe with it. So like if somebody could talk me into the heat, I was real mad when they let Jimmy Butler leave the heat or leave the Sixers, and um, him going to Miami and seeing the success that the the Miami Heat had with Jimmy Butler, I've been rooting for Jimmy Butler. I'll always root for Joel Embiid. I know that's not a popular take on a, a Dolphins South Florida uh, team podcast to say, uh, but I will equally always be a fan of Jimmy Butler, so I think basketball is probably, I find myself rooting for players more specifically than I root for Teams. College football, the best thing about being a draft scout for the Draft Network is I attended Penn State when I was in my undergraduate and I got my degree from Penn State. And I like Penn State, but I'm not like one of the Penn State crazies who paints their chest and everything. Like that, that was never really my, I didn't like Penn State like that. So with working for the Draft Network and, and scouting college football players, I can honestly, genuinely say, Each year, there has been a new team in watching so much football from the start of the year to the end of the year that I just, it's the team that I root for in that season, right? BYU was that team this past year. Uh, The year before that, you could put LSU in that bucket with Joe Burrow. I remember there was a West Virginia team. uh, I think it was the 2009. Two thousand eighteen West Virginia team, I think. That was really, really fun. Uh so there there are different teams in college football that I find myself just because I watch so much college football that I gravitate towards on any given year. It's a blank slate at the beginning of the year. Greg, if we trade back from six and pick up extra top one hundred pick and pick the best catcher, then Najee at eighteen, should we try to trade back into the end of the first if Jalen Phillips is here? So yeah, this this is kind of the new scenario that I've been rolling through in my head when it's becoming apparent that what the Dolphins have to work with uh and what the Dolphins needs are you could address but you're probably not going to get away with addressing one of those picks at 36 to the degree in which you want to. So what would you rather do? And and for me, I would rather take the pass rusher and then go get the try to go get the running back. Uh, If you can, the challenge is going to be finding a a price that is right to do that. So I think that's why, uh, Greg, like you mentioned, the first piece of this puzzle has to be uh, if you're going to trade up from 36, you need more picks to work with as trade value. So you've got 36, 50, 81, and then a big gap until like 156. If you can fill that void a little bit, if you could pick up an extra early 3 to move back two spots then like yeah that that helps makes life a lot easier here to get creative and kind try, try to fill the void for a trade up scenario into the end of the first round uh, but i do think that's something the dolphins should be exploring they just currently don't have that middle tier of picks and like i'm sorry i'm not, i'm not trying to give up 50 and 81 and not pick between 36 or 30 28, 27, whatever you end up trading up to, and the fifth round. You just can't do it. So, they need more ammunition if this was something that they were going to do. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high quality service online for the last 20 years. So, whether you're shopping for your classic or daily driver and you need engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy to navigate catalog. And in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs. And write Locked On in your How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We have been telling you about our friends at Built Bar for quite some time here on the Locked On Network. Built Bar is an amazing, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And now is the time to find out which flavor is the champ. It is Built Bar Madness. You can go to BuiltBar.com or Bar underscore Bill on Twitter to follow along as Built Bar pits each of their top flavors against one another in a championship tournament. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who claims the title of the most delicious flavor of the world's most delicious protein bar. Let's keep this thing rolling here. See, we have one from Alex. Is it ballsy or dumb for Miami to have given up their own 2022 first to the Eagles rather than the 49ers? Reasonable to think that even though the 49ers' records was worse, their roster might be closer to competing for a Super Bowl. Um, they both. I think both of these teams are going to finish in approximately the same range next year. I will say this, San Francisco's division is tougher. Uh, I know Miami, you you see the improvements the Jets have made in free agency. You see all the signings the New England Patriots made. Obviously, the Buffalo Bills uh, atop the division. But you can do the same thing over in the NFC West with Seattle, with Russell Wilson still there, uh, the Rams upgrading to Matt Stafford, and the Arizona Cardinals in year three who are all in. They're pushing all their chips on the table. Uh, So I think the division for the, the 49ers is tougher. Uh, and therefore, I think it's ballsy. I don't think it's dumb to bet on yourself to have a bet a good record and make a jump. Um, uh, but we'll we'll have to see how that plays out in the draft before I get a real good old vibe on what to expect from either team. Mister Stubborn, is there a possibility Miami likes the current receiver room and won't use a first round pick on the position and wait until day two? Yes, uh, but I think only if that involves Kyle Pitts. I think they know they need a dynamic difference maker in the pass catching. Uh, and whether that comes with pits, who would technically be a tight end or that comes at wide receiver, uh, six in one hand, half dozen in the other, right? So yes, there, there is a scenario in which I could see the dolphins not drafting a wide receiver within their first three, three picks, four picks. Uh, but they would need a pass catcher amongst that group, uh, for it to make sense in my mind. With all the focus on scouting in the draft, then the trades last week, news about Xavier Howard has gone cold. What's your best guess on what happens with him? Re-signed, traded before the draft for draft capital or what? I can't believe he's changed his mind about getting paid. Yeah, neither can I. Um, Maybe... Maybe this sees itself play into like a holdout scenario or something like that. But I don't think the Dolphins at this point, they've been pretty quiet. That's not to say they won't move him. But um, I think at this juncture, no news is good news on this front because Xavier Howard hasn't come out publicly and demanded a a trade or or demanded a new contract publicly. It's all been kind of like behind closed doors. And I think that's good for the Dolphins. Leighton, would you rather draft Creed Humphrey at 18 and Javante Williams or Travis Etienne at 36 or draft Najee Harris at 18 and Quinn Miners, Landon Dickerson in round two? Uh, Creed Humphrey at 18 is the biggest reach for me out of this whole group. If I could get Quinn Miners at 81, then, then I'm at least somewhat comfortable with that scenario, even though I do think that would still be a reach. Uh, so give me the scenario that's not drafting Creed Humphrey at 18. Edgar, I know this is reverse engineering. Okay, cool. Let's see where this goes. But if we get nausea at 18, which pass catcher between Pitts, Waddle, Chase, and Smith would best complement be the most interesting fit in this offense, and what would it look like if you were designing the offense? <whistles> Edgar, I'm, I'm going to have to come back to this one because there's a lot There's a lot I want to get my teeth into in that question, uh, and I don't want to do a disservice by doing it in, in rapid-fire Reactions here at the end of the show. Many years we see a position. This is numbers guy, picked early that we didn't see coming. Maybe last year's third first, which was spent on a corner. What position at six or eighteen do you think would cause the fans to lose it? Um, I think linebacker, honestly. And I know that's not totally out of left field, but like they went out and they brought back Elan and Roberts, and they retained. Or they they traded for Bernardrick McKinney, so if they went out and they got a linebacker in the top twenty, I think that would be kind of the most off the rails. We're kind of expecting edge running back and wide receiver. Everybody is collectively expecting that. Finn nasty, with us at six, it seems like Pitts is one of the more real potential picks for the Dolphins. If we drafted him, would we really play him at wide receiver and do what you think he could position switch to wide receiver full time and be a special? Where I'm here's the thing, I'm not drafting Kyle Pitts and then getting into the semantics of whether or not he's a wide receiver or tight end. It doesn't matter. Mike Isecki took I think it was three quarters of his snaps last year out of the slot. He's still technically a wide receiver, but he's he aligned in the slot as a slot receiver on I believe it was like between two thirds and three quarters of his snaps last year. Do we sit here and get tied up in the semantics of that one? Uh, maybe some of us do, but I don't really think so. And I don't think Kyle Pitts would be any different. It's uh, To me, you're upgrading tight end. You're upgrading the slot position with Mike Gusecki. They're different style of players, but Kyle Pitts is more dynamic. And you're also upgrading on the outside when you go with size, and you're upgrading over Preston Williams. So you've upgraded across the front, whether you want to put him hand in the dirt, You want to put him in the slot receiver as a big slot. You want to put him on the outside over Preston Williams. He's an upgrade in all three spots. So that, for me, that value is much more important than, well, is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? Is he going to play wide receiver full time? Mike Isegi technically played wide receiver full time. Unless you go three tight end sets and heavy stuff, or Shaheen or Smythe was hurt. So that's kind of how I choose to view it. Uh, And I know... Positional value and those kinds of dynamics, they're they are complex. And uh, you don't see tight ends get talked about in the, the Aaron, which Kyle Pitts does. And that's probably the best case you could make for why Kyle Pitts could slash should be the pick. Nick Hammer, speaking of, can you think of any reason at all not to take Pitts at six? Seems like a no-brainer and then find a wide receiver in the second and third. I, I guess the counter argument is with Mike Isecki already being a wide receiver tight end hybrid type who does not play with his hand in the dirt with a great deal of frequency. There's some redundancy there. And that, that's kind of where I initially had hesitancy on Kyle Pitts. But Kyle Pitts is, the, for my money, tied for the second best player in this year's class. So you can't go wrong taking that talent and then sorting out the rest later. Kyle, the scenario. There's one position you don't address in the first two rounds, and it is either edge or outside linebacker. Outside linebacker. Done. I want to get the trenches right. You can play. You can cover not having a nickel or an outside linebacker or a coverage linebacker by playing your game in nickel and sub more often, which the Dolphins are going to do anyway. So if you told me you could not fill the void at linebacker or edge, I'm skipping on linebacker, and I'm I hate that because I love Baron Browning as a prospect, but I would pass over that and get a quality edge. Oh no, I'm gonna have to be Debbie Downer for Brian. Brian, I've been seeing a lot of Tua's workout stuff on social media, and I'm getting hyped. If the Dolphins add a few more pieces, can the Finns make a legit Super Bowl run next year? Please talk me down. Edit. Basically, I think Tua is going to go on an Aaron Rodgers-like fu tour. Um, First of all, for the Dolphins in the Super Bowl run that that you're getting hyped on Brian, I'm I wanna see this team win a playoff game. So before I'm talking Super Bowl and we're going and and we're the Dolphins are back, let's win a super let's win a playoff game. So that's that's my mental block to protect myself from getting irrational is I'm gonna put that hurdle out there. And that way I can, if the Dolphins win a playoff game, then I'm going to say, yeah, we're winning the damn Super Bowl. But my way to protect myself from getting carried away is this team hasn't won a playoff game in 20 years. Go win a playoff game and then we'll talk. Final question today from Nicolette. Hoping to see the Finns take a chance on a freak athlete at wide receiver in the later rounds. I like this question. Okay. Okay. Who do you think is the best out of Tamari and Terry, TJ Vasher and Joshie Matt from Illinois? Uh, give me a Matarbebe. guy jumps like 46, 47 inches in the vert. Uh, he played at Illinois. So I watched a lot of his tape as the, the big 10 regional scout for TDN. Uh, he wins down the field. Uh, he's got good ball skills down the field. Uh, he's one of these big, tall, long bodied guys with above the rim ability and really thrives on big plays. And, Terry, I have some concerns with his hands and consistency. Uh, Vasher is too boomer bust on tape. There's too many times for me when he completely disappears, and then he makes an amazing one-handed acrobatic catch that belongs in the Smithsonian. Uh, but that variability, in or Bebe, I feel confident that he could play special teams. I feel confident that he could be a player who could develop into a down-the-field receiver who wins vertically, and he's got amazing, amazing, amazing physical tools. That would be my choice. Listen, there was a lot we didn't get to. If I didn't get to you, make sure you check out DolphinsWire.com. I'm the lead editor there, and we uh, we take some of these every now and again, and we turn it into written content because you guys bring a lot of great perspectives to the table And managing Dolphins Wire. I'm responsible for five to seven posts daily on the Miami Dolphins in the off season. So, uh, any really creative ideas that you guys bring to the table if I see it. Odds are I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to make sure it gets to its time of day and do with the Dolphins fan base. If not on Locked On Dolphins, I'll use that as inspiration for written content over at Dolphins War. Make sure you swing over to thedraftnetwork.com. Check out all the great stuff that our scouting staff is doing there uh, to get you ready for draft season this year. It's right around the corner. It's going to be here before we know it. So hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Your team every day. Fins up. Thanks, as always, for listening. And thanks, as always, for contributing to another excellent episode of Power to the Pot.